Hello and welcome to Making Sales Simple Podcast, where we teach you to make sales simple. I am your co-host, LJ Obenauer, joined in the studio with your host, Gary Boyle. And today we are talking about Gary Boyle and your story and who you are and uh, why we should listen to you. Well, I don't know about listening to you. Okay. <laughs> well, for the next 30 minutes, we're stuck with you. So, you know, pray for us. Right. <laughs> but, well, I'll kind of take you on a journey of my sales history and where I started from, why we even started this podcast, why we started a company called Making Sales Simple, and kind of just give you an overview of my life. And so yep. take you back to the beginning of time, way, way back. Mm, we're in 18 what now? Right? <laughs> Not that old. But uh, my dad has been in sales pretty much my whole life. From the time I was a little kid, I only remember my dad selling furniture back in the day. And when I was 16, 17, you know, I worked in a yard of a, a fruit packing company. And then when I turned 18, I had an opportunity to go work for a company called Zephyr Hills. Now, many of you know what this company is. It's Zephyr Hills Bottled Water Company out of Zephyr Hills, Florida. So I started there. I applied. I knew a guy that went to our church who was one of the managers there, got me a job, and I was making good money for the time. I think minimum wage at the time was like $5 an hour. And I think they started me off at, I want to say 15 maybe $20 an hour. It was a lot. Wow. It was a lot. And like a week into my training, not even a week, my dad calls me and says, hey, there's an ad in the newspaper. And if you remember what those were, mm. a little thing that you used to buy at the, the store, get thrown in your yard. But my dad calls me and says, hey, there's an ad in the newspaper. They're looking for a salesperson at the local car dealership. And it's 100% commission. Mm. And I'm thinking, there's no way I'm going to go work some job for 100% commission when I'm guaranteed this high hourly rate and you know, a guaranteed versus a hope one day I can make it as a salesperson. It was kind of daunting. And you were young. You were 18. 18. I had seen what my dad made sales you know, what, what he made out of it. And so I knew that sales could be very rewarding, but it was still daunting. So needless to say, a week into this job, I walk in the office and I quit. <laughs> and they're probably looking at me like, people are dying to get this job. Why are you quitting? So I tell them, hey, I'm going to go sell cars. And they're looking at me like, you have lost your mind. But looking back, you know, of course, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Right. The rewards of going into sales versus going into an hourly job a far outweighed the rewards that I earned far outweighed what I would have gained at Zephyr Hills Bottled Water Company. And so those life lessons I have learned as being in the sales world, I've reaped the dividends over and over and over again. So starting that 18 years old, I get into their, their you know, get into their car lot. They have like a, a week long training and then they throw you out on the floor. And Turns out I'm one of the worst salespeople there. <laughs> I can't sell anything. I mean, I'm I get I'm to the point where in sales, when you're on commission, they have to pay you a minimum wage, but it's a draw, which means you owe it all back. So the minute you sell something, you owe back what you didn't make the last couple of weeks. And so I'm like in the negative and I'm going backwards instead of forwards. <laughs> so I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there 18 years old thinking I just gave up this job making big money, you know, per hour to now I actually owe a company money. Of course, if you quit, they can't go back and, you know, collect that money from you. But still, I'm owing this company money and not making sales. And so I remember a good friend of mine at that dealership came alongside and began to mentor me. And he says, hey, listen, I understand you're having 
troubles and you can't sell anything, let me help you. And he began to just give me some bite-sized information rather than just, you know, hey, learn the horsepower of a car, learn the engines of the car. He said, I want you to do this. I want you to take a legal notepad and I want you to place it on your desk. And then I want you to, every time you talk to a customer, your goal is this, not to sell a car. I'm like, wait, wait what? I already can do that. I'm not selling cars anyway. <laughs> but he says, I don't want you to sell cars. I want you to extract some information from the customer. I want you to get what they're looking for, their name and their phone number before they leave the lot. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like much, right? But it took my mind off of trying to sell a customer a car and changed my thoughts to just rather trying to gather information. And so I began to do this, and then I began to write down their name, their phone number, what they're looking for. And little did I know, I started selling cars because one is the customer didn't feel pressured into mm -hmm. thinking, you know, they're meeting this high pressure salesperson. Because in reality, when you're getting ready to get fired for not selling cars, you're like in, you know, hyper mode. You're like, I've got, you're like, <laughs> you're desperate. Yeah, I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm desperately trying to sell a car and they can see it. Now I'm just, trying to get their information. And this is easy. I can do this. And so what I began to do is gather the information. And then he came back to me and says, now we're going to try to figure out what your closing rate is. And I've never heard of a closing rate. And so basically we took the number of people I've talked to versus the number of cars I sold and divided them. And then you get your closing rate. And he says, now, if you want to set your goal at 10 cars a month, 20 cars a month, you just have to talk to more people. And it was that simple. It was just the little tiny steps. And then he said, if you want to sell more cars, but you can't talk to more people, well, then what do we need to fix? The closing rate. Right. Increase the close. Now, it's easier said than done. Sure. But what I would learn is basically how to change my tactics or what I would say to a customer, and then I would adjust those to increase my closing rate. Right. And through that, and through that mentorship of that gentleman, I became their number one salesperson. And two pieces of information that I'm extracting from this is first, figure out what your closing rate is if you're already in sales. Right. If you're listening to this and you're not in sales, congratulations, you just learned your first term, closing rate. Right. It is very important to know your closing rate because if you don't know your closing rate, you don't know how effective or ineffective that you are as a salesperson. But once you figure out your closing rate and you figure out, okay, how many of whatever product or services that I want to sell and you figure out your closing rate, well then, if that's my quota, I need to talk to this amount of people to meet your quota. And sometimes that's possible. You can increase how many people you're talking to, but sometimes that's not possible. And you figured that out very quickly. Right, and so I, I begin to see other avenues of opportunity. So the service department, and then you know, cold calls. Mm -hmm. Because I knew my cold calls weren't as high on the closing rate, but it was opportunities. So I'm now looking at it from a different angle. Right. And it changed my mindset. And so, so many times I've seen in the sales industry is if you can change just a little bit in someone's mindset, they get it. Yeah. And so each person's different, right? Some people you have to, you know, change more than others. Some people, it's just a small tweak. Some people get it from day one. Yeah. You know, we all hate those people. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but, you know, there are salespeople that from day one, they get it. Yep. And you don't need to explain anything to them. Yep. But those are few and far between. Yeah. Most people have to be taught. They have to be made. Right. And so that's part of making sales simple. That's where that kind of spawned from was getting, you know, the idea of taking somebody from nothing like myself. Right. And giving them a mentor and allowing them to become something. And we've talked about, you know, us here on the Making Sales Simple team. How can we get a front desk clerk or a fast food worker 
to be a salesperson. So a nobody in the sales world, how can that person enter the daunting sales world? Because you said it, to you, it was daunting at 18 years old. To me, it was daunting when I entered in. I think to anybody in their right mind, sales is a very daunting world because there's a lot of unknowns. You have to talk to people, you have to befriend people, and you have to persuade people. And that's difficult to do. It's something that you have to learn. But if you're willing to accept the fact, I know it's daunting, but I'm gonna try it anyway, anyone can do sales. Anybody can be a salesperson and making sales simple is designed to help anybody become a salesperson. Exactly, and so from there, I sold cards for several years, moved into management, was a manager for several years, and then I went with a partner on a car lot. Well, while you were still there, correct me if I'm wrong, you actually started to listen to what at the time we would call a podcast. Right? Yes. Your CDs? Yes. Tell so, us about the CDs. So my friend as well, my mentor in the car business said, hey, you need to buy these CDs. They're expensive at the time and you need to listen to this person on how to become a better salesperson. And so what I would do is I would listen to those on the way to work and on the way home every single day. I wasn't getting paid extra for it. No one was. I actually paid for the course myself and I just knew I had to learn because I didn't want to get fired. And I knew there was a, a huge opportunity to advance in my career if I could just educate myself. And so I began that going down that process and that really propelled my sales because what I began to find is the closes and the way I would approach somebody, the way I would dress, the way I would talk begin to change. It almost like began to indoctrinate me, if that makes any sense. So, you know, not in a bad way, but it was a way that I could see myself transforming into a salesperson where, you know, a lot of, a lot of people think salespeople are sleazy or they're just, you know, they're crooks. You don't have to be. Right. It's a tool. And sharpening that tool can be vital in your success as a salesperson. Yeah. And so, you know, I used to tell people used to ask me all the time after I started doing well in the car sales industry, people would ask me, you must know all about cars. And I would say, <laughs> I don't know anything. And, you know, you probably know more about cars than I do. What I've learned is to know people because I found cars don't sell cars. People sell cars. Yeah. And people want to deal with people. Yep. And so becoming a people person. And learning how to adapt and how to talk to people, that's what they want. They want to interact with somebody who's real. Don't lie to them. Don't swindle them out of their money. Be real with them. And that will pay you dividends on dividends. And so that's what happened with you. You became a people person. And then you grew from being a car salesman to now an owner. What yeah, so own? I went from there, started a car lot. At the same time, my dad was afforded an opportunity to get into the furniture business. And so it was a little bit more than what he wanted to, to get into. And so long story short, him and I went in as partners. I sold off my shares of the car lot and we got into the furniture business. Now, there was a lot of planning, a lot of time kind of that went in between those that I'm not going to get into on this podcast for sake of time. But one of the things that we talked about very early stages of getting into the furniture business was training. We're like, what is, you know, we're sitting there brainstorming. Of course, these are all new times for us, exciting times. And we're like, what do we think that the number one thing that we can do to set ourselves apart? Mm. And it was, we always went back to training because wow. it was something that lacked in our employment as employees. Right. We're like, man, if someone would just trained us, we would have been better off. If, you know, where my dad worked, if he's like, man, if I just had more training, I know that I would be better. And maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking the same thing, like, man, I really wish my job offered me training. 
or you know, if someone was able to give me training, I could do better. And making sales simple makes it affordable, not just for your employer to get it, but for you as an individual. Yeah. So like you, you bought those CDs with your own money. Yeah, it was like a thousand dollars at the time. <laughs> and you bought it with your own money. When minimum wage was $5 an hour. <laughs> yeah. And I paid for it myself. But it paid itself back to you over times, and over many times over. and over again. But because you had a personal desire to get better. Right. To learn. You had that desire to learn. And since your employer wasn't offering you the ability to learn, you went out and sought it yourself. And you learned very quickly. It was rewarding. Yes. And most employees won't. They won't go learn for themselves. Right. You know, we live in a generation where everyone, everybody wants everything handed to them. Yes. And so if I could encourage you as a salesperson listening to this podcast, maybe you're starting off. Maybe you've been in sales for a while and you're just discouraged or... Maybe you've been a top performer, but you've kind of fallen by the wayside. Is get engaged in a program, whether it's making sales simple or another program, your own program, but find some way to get engaged on a daily basis. Because yeah. what I found is listening to those CDs on the way to work and listening to those CDs on the way home. I had a long, like a 45 minute drive back and forth and it allowed me to just begin to digest. And what I found was what I was listening to was now becoming who I am. Right. And that even grew into where you are today. You still do the same thing when you're in the car. Right. You I still put something on. Podcast. I put on YouTube channels with, you know, different speakers. I do audiobooks. And so it's it's that I haven't arrived. And no one has arrived. And if they told you they've arrived, they're lying. Yeah. There always has to be a level of learning. Anybody in the world today has to continue to learn. To keep your mind engaged in what things are, are happening around you. The sales world when I first started off, is far different today. Yes. And it will be far different in 10 years from now. Yeah. And in 30 years from now, whatever the case may be, but it's going to be different. And so staying actively engaged in the day yeah. sales operation and learning from other people. I always like to, when I'm reading a book or listening to a podcast or listening to, you know, watching a YouTube, I always try to extract something, try to find something good that I can extract from that, yeah. that I can start to apply. And as time goes on, I might replace it with something else that I've extracted from somebody else. Sure. And it might be better, but I'm constantly learning. And so as we got into that furniture business, started off with one location. Now we have 20 plus locations, hundreds of employees. And we've just grown this to the point where we see the value of training. And so part of the growing pains is there's only one of me. Right. And I only spend so much time on a floor training an individual and I can't be everywhere at all times. Right. And so we sat down as a group, my brother and a friend of mine, and we said, why don't we create a sales training company that we can send out to all of our staff and then to everyone else that wants to join with us and learn how to become better. Right. And that's where Making Sales Simple was born. It was an idea. Right put down on paper, put into action, because we understand the importance of training. And so along your sales journey, when you got into the ownership of the furniture business, the way that you wanted to apply yourself now wasn't, what more can I learn? But it was, what more can I teach? Yes. And that was it. We were trying to figure out how can we replicate ourselves? How can we instill our values, our training, what we've learned, what we've been taught, into somebody else, being that mentor that someone was to me, being that mentor to somebody else. 
And that's what life is about. Life is not about how much we can extract out of somebody, but rather how much we can give to somebody else. And part of the fulfillment in life is being able to give to others. And, you know, that's just a, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just, it gives you a joy that's like, man, I, I can help another person get further into their career yeah. and become a better salesperson, become a better trainer, whatever the case may be, manager, owner. And that's what our goal is, is to allow people to move further in life than what yeah. we've ever done. Like it's cool and it's fun to be a salesperson and meet all kinds of people and make all kinds of deals and you're getting to engage and you know you have a lot of fun along the way. The journey is really what makes sales. The end result I don't really think there is an end result to sales personally. I think, you know, because there is no end to learning, you're always learning. Sales is all about the journey. Sales is not, I want to make a million dollars a year. If you want to make a million dollars a year, you don't have to do sales. There's a bunch of things you can do to make a million dollars a year. Sales is not about the money. Sales is more about the people and about yourself and becoming a better person. And so with sales went along in your journey, it sounds like it was exciting and it was fresh and it was new to be able to learn all of that information from your mentor, from the CDs, from your family. But then not that that excitement fades, but rather it gets replaced with the excitement when you pass that knowledge on to someone else and you see them close their first deal. Like that's exciting. That's very exciting. Or you, you give them a tip and then they use it and it works. It's exciting. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, there's once again, I've seen salespeople in my career that have gone on from just starting off never selling one thing. I think of one person, we'll have her on a podcast here soon. I won't give her name out, so I don't spoil it. But she started off with us at 16 years old, you know, working part-time, taught her how to sell furniture, turns 18, goes off and starts selling homes, and then turns around. Now she's a brokerage, has several firms that she owns and operates, many realtors underneath her, sells millions and millions of dollars a year in real estate and very, very successful. And you know, I look back and I'm like, man, I credit somewhat, some, you know, <laughs> something of that to me, right? But it, it wasn't all me. It was her desire to learn, but it started training. somewhere. It started, it started training. With training. And once again, maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're at the beginning of your training phase and you're thinking, this isn't gonna work. You know, I'm, it's not, you know, I'm not being successful with it or what. Just stick with it, stick it out, you know, as far as keep training, keep training, because it's the small steps, it's the journey. Well, as you've gone along your journey and with your companies now, and you have many, many employees that work in some way, shape or form underneath you, you've seen all different kinds of people from all different kinds of walks of life enter into your company as salespeople. But I think one of the things that we've talked about that makes or breaks a salesperson is not about their experience, but it's about their desire and their willingness to learn and be apt to teach themselves. Meaning like they are willing to learn, but they're also willing to teach other people what they've learned. Yes. And I would say most salespeople that I've met that are not apt to learn are not good salespeople. You know, they have one thing in mind, it's themselves. Right. And no one loves a selfish salesperson. They don't get along with anybody. They're not about the team. They're not about company culture. They are about how can I make a dollar and, you know, rip somebody off and then get out of here. Yeah. They're the uh, swindlers. They're the swindlers. And they, they're the ones who give a bad name to a salesperson. Yeah. You say I'm in sales and people are like, you say anything about sales. And I feel like most people, the first thing that comes to their mind is a car salesman. 
Yeah. Because we all have just associated car salesmen as slimy, greedy people, which I think it doesn't pass me that you were a car salesman, but you were not the slimy, greedy car salesman. Right. And going back to that car sales experience, I got promoted into uh, finance. And I remember I got this job at this car lot and a new car dealership. And their number one guy was, you know, all about himself. He would actually, what we call cherry pick the deal. So he would look for the deals that you know, people were financing. He didn't want anybody paying cash. He didn't want anybody leasing because they never bought the back end products is what they call them, which is like mm-hmm. warranties, gap insurance, you know, whatever maintenance service agreements. And then he would cherry pick them and take them for himself. Well, no wonder why he's your number one guy. He's <laughs> cherry picking all your customers. And that's not a salesperson, right? Anybody can sell somebody who walks in and says, I'll take everything. Well, what about, can he sell the person who says, I won't take anything? And not just understand it's not selling to make a profit. It's selling because you want to take care of your customer. Right. Because, you know, to sell a service agreement is not to make money. You make money as a byproduct. Right. You're selling a service agreement to take care of a customer. To help the customer. Right. I can't tell you how many customers I had walk into the store and they'll be like, man, let's say my car broke down and please tell me I have a service agreement. And you got to be like, you didn't buy it. Right. And now they're facing a $5,000 repair job that would have been paid for. Sure. But they didn't buy it. And there's two extremes to a salesperson. And where we're trying to get people to lie is right in the middle, which the extreme is the salespeople who are super friendly, but don't ever close the deal. Right. And, you know, we are going to have guests on the show that have experience like that. They were the salespeople, but they never asked for the petition. They never went in for the close. They were just friendly salespeople. Well, they're not going to sell anything. And then there's the slimy people who literally try to sell everything to everyone. But the happy middle is be friendly with the person and figure out what they need and what they want. And you got to line the two up with their products. They might not know that they need or want something until you as the salesperson offer it to them, like the service agreements or different types of insurance, right? There's different things that the customer does not know about that you have to give that information to them. And that's part of the job of a really good salesperson is giving the customer information to make an informed decision. So that's what I would tell my customers. They say, well, you know, I'm not ready. You know, you don't need to tell me about all that. And I say, give me five minutes because I want you to make an informed decision before you leave. Right. And so I'm informing them of what's available and then let them make the decision. And so needless to say, so that car dealership that I was there, all but one month, I was their number one F&I guy. And he still <laughs> cherry-picked the deals in front of me. Wow. I didn't care. I'd take any cash deal. I'd take any lease deal. Why? Because I knew that if I was honest with the customers and I informed them on a level that, hey, listen, I'm not trying to swindle you, but I want you to understand what's available. Let the customer decide what they need and want. And then I could close the sale. I could ask for the sale. I wasn't afraid to ask for the sale. Right. And so what he would do is he would get maybe he would get stuck with a cash deal from time to time and he wouldn't even offer anything. Wow. He'd just sign them up and get them out there because he wanted to get out of that deal as quick as he could to go find another finance deal. Wow. And I'm thinking all the opportunity you had was sitting in front of you. Right. And so I see that happen with so many salespeople is they don't understand the opportunity that lies in front of them. Sure. They're constantly chasing the next big opportunity. Or the next dollar. Or the next dollar. Right. So as from a manager, owner standpoint, is take advantage of the opportunities that are in front of you. You know, seize the moment that you have in front of that customer. Take your time, spend your time, ask for the sale. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times <laughs> people would go through the whole process. Like you were talking about the over-friendly salesperson. Right. And they never ask for the sale. It's like, okay, car lot, great example. Hey, Mr. Customer, welcome to our car lot. 
oh, I'm just looking. I heard something that was really good. I was like, they're right. They're just looking. I'm just looking. But they didn't finish their sentence. You need to finish it for them. I'm just looking for a car. Right. Finish their sentence. I'm just looking. They use that as a defense of I'm just looking. And some salespeople will be like, oh, there's nothing I can do. It's done. In the first five seconds, they're like, oh, I'm done. There's nothing I can do. They're not going to buy today. Or they might even, the customer might even say, oh, I'm not going to buy today. And so that's okay. So way I would look at it like this. That's just an objection. Right. And that's okay if you don't buy today. But I want to show you everything that you want to see. And I want to give you all the information that you need to have so you can go home and make an informed decision. And one of the things that you did on the car lot was you got their information. Right. So you're giving them information, but at the same time, you are also extracting information from them. So even if they don't buy that day, next week, next month, hey, Mr. Customer, giving you a quick call. How are we doing? We're still looking for a car. What do I need to do to make a deal happen? And one of the ways I did that, and that, that same guy who mentored me on that legal pad on my desk, because I asked the same thing, well, how am I going to get their information? Like, if I ask you, what's your name and phone number, and you don't know me from Adam, you're going to be like, I'm not giving you this. Right. Well, first of all, I learned how to gather their name up front. So I would say, hey, welcome to such and such. My name is Gary. You are. And the, I wait for that response. First person who talks loses. They're going to give you their name, yep. right? And it's just an open greeting. But now it's my job as a salesperson to mentally remember that name. Yep. So what I would do is I would associate their name with something. And so I, you know, I'm using pictures in my mind, but I would associate their name with a picture. Therefore, it would help me remember their name. Now I've got their name, but now I need to get the hard part, and that's their phone, phone number. Mm-hmm. And so what I would do is at some point during the sale, if I knew they were leaving and I wasn't going to have an opportunity to get it, I would literally get, a, I had a you know, piece of paper in my pocket or a you know, notepad, and I would say, you know, LJ, it was great to have you in here today. And your phone number is, and I would look at my paper with my pen on my paper, and I would not look up. And I mean, you're talking about an awkward moment because it's like, I'm not looking up. And it could be a minute and, the, you know, someone's going to break the silence. Yep. And 95% of the time, it was the customer, and they would give you your other phone number. Wow. But those little things that I learned along the way helped me. Yeah. And they were super awkward for me at first. Of course. But then once I mastered it. It becomes natural. It becomes part of my sales process. Yep. And I'm not getting their number to harass them. Right. I'm not going to be the salesperson who calls you every single day to just find out if you're buying today. I am going to purposely call you with information. Yep. So when... Maybe the car goes on sale cheaper. Yes. Maybe they have a new interest rate that comes out, a new rebate. Maybe it's the last one in the lot. But I'm going to find a reason to call you. People don't want to be called and harassed over the same information. Right. But I'm going to call you. So I would make it a purpose, uh, make it, you know, a plan of mine every day to call all my customers. But I want to have a purpose. So I would have to sit there and think, why would I call this person? What value can I add to this person on this next phone call. And that's what I wanted to give them and deliver it to them, find out if they're still interested, deliver them with new information, and then end the phone call. And it turned out to work brilliant for me. I was gonna say, I would hypothesize that you had people come back in. Yes, all the time. Yeah. Because they knew that I cared about them. And so I was constantly kept them on my forefront of my mind to, to find out what value can I add to them rather than what value can I extract from them? And that comes through all the way to today. One of the things that I admire about you as a salesperson and as a sales trainer is your biggest motive that I've seen is you care about the customer. Yeah. There is no other motive for Gary Boyle to do sales other than he cares about the customer. 
and he just wants to line up the customer's needs and wants with the products that Gary Boyle has to offer. That's it, that's it, taking care of your customers. If you could sum it up in one thing, that's what it would be. Learn how to take care of your customers, your customers will take care of you. Well, fantastic. It has been awesome to getting to know the story of our host here at Making Sales Simple, Gary Boyle. Thanks for sharing your story. I will close it out here as the co-host of Making Sales Simple, the podcast where we teach you how to make sales simple.